Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. A jury has decided Alex Jones should pay millions of dollars to families of the victims in the 2012 Sandy Hook school shooting. How Jones is responding. Last year, the Biden administration said they saw photos of Border Patrol agents whipping Haitian immigrants. New information reveals the administration may have known more than it revealed. A new national security strategy coming out of the White House today as the president warns that Saudi Arabia will face consequences for cutting oil production. The administration notes another key international concern. Organs and tissues from Planned Parenthood are allegedly being transported to a university for experiments. The university denies this. A group of pro-life activists recorded an organ supplier outside of the clinic. And we'll hear from a pro-life activist who was arrested at his home last week. He recounts the experience and calls the charges ludicrous. Alex Jones must pay over $960 million to relatives of the victims of the Sandy Hook school shooting. A jury ordered the compensation for families who lost loved ones in the 2012 shooting in Connecticut. Jones is accused of pushing a false theory that the shooting was staged by the government as a pretext to restrict gun ownership. Here's his reaction to the verdict. They want to scare everybody away from freedom and scare us away from questioning Uvalde and what really happened there or, or Parkland or any other event. And guess what? We're not scared and we're not going away and we're not going to stop. And literally, for hundreds of thousands of dollars, I can keep them in court for years. I can appeal this stuff. We can stand up against this travesty, against the billions of dollars they want. It's a joke. A newly published email indicates the Biden administration may have knowingly promoted a false narrative. The controversy centers around photos from last year that appeared to show Border Patrol agents wielding whips. NTD's Arlene Richards has that story. We know that those images painfully conjured up the worst elements of our nation's ongoing battle against systemic racism. On September 24, 2021, the Biden administration was outraged over photos they saw of Border Patrol agents in El Paso, Texas, on horseback. It looked like the agents were whipping Haitian immigrants. The day before, on September 23rd, KTSM reported the photographer said he didn't see the agents whipping anyone. The outrage was based on a misinterpretation of the photos. And now a document obtained by Fox News reveals the Biden administration likely knew about the report before they publicly expressed outrage. On Wednesday, Fox News reported an email was sent to Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas two and a half hours before the press conference he attended. The email was obtained by the Heritage Foundation's oversight project through a Freedom of Information Act request. It contained a copy of KTSM's news report with the photographer's comments highlighted. But Mayorkas expressed outrage anyway and quickly assigned the agents to administrative duty. He also called for an investigation. President Biden said there would be consequences. To see people treated like they did, horses barely running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. The investigation was concluded in July 2022. OPR found no evidence Border Patrol agents involved in this 
incident struck any person with their reins intentionally or otherwise. The report said the agents had not been properly trained on how to direct horses with split reins, but nobody used a whip. Nonetheless, the report indicates the agents acted unprofessionally, and that is cause for discipline. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York. Los Angeles City Councilwoman Nuri Martinez has resigned. That's after a secret recording was leaked of her making racially charged remarks. Protesters and officials, including President Biden, had called for her to give up her seat since the recording was first made public three days ago. Los Angeles City Councilwoman Nuri Martinez, along with three other officials, Councilman Kevin DeLeon and Jill Cedillo, and Los Angeles County Federation of Labor President Ron Herrera are facing criticism after a recorded audio was leaked. And then there's this, this white guy with this little black kid who's misbehaved. The kid is bouncing off the effing walls on the floor, practically tipping it over. There's nothing you can do to control him. Martinez can be heard making many disparaging comments aimed at Councilman Mike Bonin's two-year-old adopted black son and towards other ethnic groups. Other members added in their own jokes and commentary. Public officials are supposed to call us to our highest selves. And these people stabbed us and shot us and, and cut the spirit of Los Angeles. It, 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 it gave a beatdown to the heart and the soul of the city. Activists and protesters blasted Martinez's announcement and gathered outside the city hall on Tuesday morning, insisting that she resign immediately. Herrera resigned on Monday following the leak of the audio. A wave of officials and political candidates, including President Joe Biden, also condemned the remarks. Look, the president is glad to see that one of the participants in that conversation has resigned. Uh, but they all should. He believes that they all should resign. The language that was used and tolerated during that conversation was unacceptable, and it was appalling. Martinez said in a statement, this has to be one of the most difficult times of my life, and I recognize this is entirely of my own making. The meeting reportedly occurred at the Federation of Labor Office, and the Federation is currently investigating the source of what is said to be, quote, illegal recording. At this time, it is unclear who taped the conversation and released it. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan today previewed the Biden administration's new national security strategy. A top issue? How to deal with China's efforts to reshape the international order. The strategy refers to China as America's most consequential geopolitical challenge. NTD's Melina Weiskopf has more details. 22 months into the Biden administration, the White House has unveiled a new national security strategy. The 48-page document begins with the letter from the president where he says he believes the world is at an inflection point and that the decisions the United States makes today will determine the direction for the world. Now, in this uh, new strategy, the White House lists Russia and China as global priorities. Unsurprisingly, they also pledge to hold Beijing accountable for its human rights abuses, something that the White House is referring to as crimes against humanity. Now, it also notes China's economic edge. Here's National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan commenting on this new strategy earlier today. Is that a successful approach 
to dealing with competition with the PRC means not making countries choose sides, not dividing the world into rigid blocks, and not making our relationship with countries kind of dependent on this some kind of proxy fight between the U.S. and the PRC. As for China tariffs, the White House has been floating the idea of waiving the Trump era tariffs as a way to deal with inflation. But for now, these tariffs will stay in place while the policy is under a four year review. The national security plans comes as President Biden is warning Saudi Arabia that there will be consequences for the kingdom's decision to scale back oil production. The U.S. accuses OPEC of helping Russia. The only beneficiary that we can see uh, for OPEC's decision is, uh, is Russia at the moment. Some members in Congress now calling to punish the region by freezing arms sales to Saudi Arabia. They get almost 73% of their arms from the United States. And I am very hopeful that the president will act immediately. He has the power to stop these sales. So how are Saudi officials responding to this? Unfortunately, when you're in the election season, what some people call the funny season, a lot of things are said and a lot of things are done that maybe may not make sense at another period of time. And I hope that this is what we're dealing with here. Now, Saudi Arabia and other countries a part of OPEC Plus are continuing to stand by this decision because they say their goal here is to stabilize global oil markets. Now, since OPEC made that decision last week to cut oil production, our price, our gas prices here in the U.S. have gone up by about 10 cents per gallon. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Wisecup, NTD News. A poll suggests the majority of Democrats don't want President Biden to run for re-election. And the main reason is his age. In an interview, Biden addresses this concern, as well as possible criminal charges against his son, Hunter. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. They're concerned about whether or not I can get anything done. Look what I've gotten done. In an interview on CNN, President Biden addressed a poll that shows about two-thirds of Democrats don't want him to run for re-election. And the number one reason is his age. Name me a president in recent history who's gotten as much done as I have in the first two years. CNN host Jake Tapper asked about the possibility of a recession. And although the Biden administration has been accused of changing the definition of recession from the common two consecutive quarters of negative growth, Biden said this. Every six months, they look down the next six months and see what's going to happen. It hadn't happened yet. It hadn't. There, there has. There is no. There's no guarantee that they're going to be. I don't think there will be a recession. If it is, it'll be a very slight recession. That is, we'll move down slightly. And one problem Biden's son Hunter is now facing is possible criminal charges. Biden explains. Turns out that when he made my application to purchase a, a gun, what happened was he said, I guess you get asked, I don't guess, you get asked the question, are you on drugs, you use drugs? He said no. And he wrote about saying no in right. his book. So I, 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 I've, I've got confidence in my son. Biden said he's going to wait until after the midterms before he announces whether he's going to run for re-election. And he added this. I believe I can beat Donald Trump again. Biden also mentioned that he's going to continue pushing for a ban on semi-automatic firearms and dealing with global warming. Jason Perry, NTD News. A car from an organ supplier spotted at a Planned Parenthood facility. The Associated University swore under oath that it doesn't receive organs or fetal tissue from Planned Parenthood. The Center for Organ Recovery and Education, or CORE, supplies organs and tissues for research to the University of Pittsburgh. 
The Center for Medical Progress reports that a car showing the core logo was parked at a local Planned Parenthood facility. The center posted this video allegedly showing a man wearing an identification badge and carrying specimen bags from the abortion clinic and storing them in a cooler in the core vehicle. During a 2021 hearing before the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, the university under oath denied receiving specimens from Planned Parenthood. The founder and president of the Center for Medical Progress asked, so what is the university's organ harvesting company doing parked at the Planned Parenthood abortion clinic with coolers? We reached out to CORE for their comment, and they sent us a statement saying they've never recovered human fetal tissue for research after an induced abortion. And just last week, FBI agents raided the home of pro-life activist Paul Vaughn in Tennessee. They say it's for violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act when, more than a year and a half ago, he and a group of other Christians protested in front of the entrance to an abortion clinic. Let's see some of that protest now. This is not allowed, guys. Asking you to leave property or I will call the police. Have it your way. So we have an understanding, guys. We need to carry it outside. We cannot block up the hallways. I'm going to order to disperse. We need to carry it outside, guys. We cannot block the hallways. Earlier today, I spoke with Paul and his attorney, Stephen Crampton, from the Thomas More Society to learn more about the events that transpired. Paul Vaughn and Stephen Crampton, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad Thanks for having us. Now, Paul, the FBI raid on your home. What happened? Could you describe it for us? Well, uh, typical uh, Wednesday morning, uh, we were getting up, uh, getting four of my seven children that were at home, uh, about to take them to school, four of them. And uh, I just sent them out to go get in the car as I was grabbing the last uh, little bit of my things for the day, getting at a, a large business meeting uh, scheduled for that afternoon. And so I had some extra things to, to get together. And uh, I had my bag to the door standing in the uh, the, the next room to the front porch there and all of a sudden a loud banging rattling the windows on the on the windows on the on the porch and I, I could have thought the guy said FBI open up and uh, and my my brain cannot process such a uh, you know 720 in the morning on a on a Wednesday morning and and those words coming across into my eardrums just did not register I could not fathom what they were doing there and about the time I registered, there were, you know, agents at the door. They knocked again at the door, banged on the door. FBI opened up. Uh, I proceeded to the door and opened the curtain to look out to see guns pointed at me and agents on my porch. And to find out later that an agent had my children detained in the side yard, uh, an armed uh, agent with an AR-15, uh, you know, semiotic wep automatic weapon holding my children and would not let them uh, come back into the house. Uh, I asked for identification as I opened the door. They refused. They pointed at their FBI logo and said, this is all the identification you get, and, uh, and proceeded to put me in handcuffs. That must have been quite a shock. The DOJ says that you used force and physical obstruction to injure, intimidate, and interfere with employees of the abortion clinic where you protested. Can you tell us your version of the events? You bet, Stephanie. That, that is the most ludicrous statement ever. 
I mean, the bottom line with everything going on in America today, if we'd been carrying bricks instead of Bibles, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. The only thing of force we used was tears in our eyes and songs in our heart. We were singing hymns. We were reading Bible verses. We were conversing uh, with the uh, one or two folks that actually came into the hallway. We talked with them. Uh, and the video footage shows all this. Everything they have uh, shows absolutely no violence with one exception. There was one physical shoving event, and that was done by the police officer on two of the protesters. All right, Stephen, is this standard behavior from the DOJ, or what is the standard procedure? Yeah, not exactly standard. Remember, these events for which the uh, arrests have been made occurred a year and a half ago. This isn't a situation where you have a, a fugitive on the run or something, and they got to swoop in and pick him up because he's a flight risk, right? This is calculated in its timing to uh, occur on the 100th day after the Dobbs decision was announced, reversing Roe v. Wade. The president and the vice president were in the White House meeting with their so-called reproductive rights task force people. Uh, so this is all a, a theatrically kind of uh, coordinated and orchestrated uh, effort to show the political capital of the pro-abortion world, if you will, and this administration's embrace of the culture of death and basically declaring war on the pro-life community. And what would be the standard procedure after a pro-life blockade? Well, in most uh, of these kind of, again, it wasn't quite a blockade. If you watch the video, there are a few people just sitting mildly, as Paul described, singing hymns and being absolutely courteous. In most of these cases, the federal government and the FBI never gets involved at all. This is handled on a local basis. The local police made some arrests for trespass. The local DA prosecuted those cases. It was buttoned up and completely taken care of on the local level. What we have here with FACE is basically a runaway kind of uh, uh, federal act criminalizing conduct that never should have been criminalized in the first place and opening the door for the federal government, the uh, Gestapo of the uh, Department of Justice, Garland's Gestapo here, and an out-of-control White House to uh, come after pro-lifers. It's an abuse of power. And Paul could face 11 years in prison for this and fines of up to $26,000. And others in his group are facing similar prospects. But many of the attacks on pro-life centers that we've seen in recent months haven't faced the same level mm -hmm. of punishment. What are your thoughts about this contrast? To say the least, uh, I like the way you put that. In fact, it's the very same FACE Act that prohibits acts of vandalism and violence and so forth against churches and against pregnancy resource centers. Since the passage of or the, the announcement of the Dobbs decision, there have been about 83 Catholic churches that have been vandalized and attacked, 73 pregnancy resource centers, one of them in Buffalo, New York, firebombed, as you may recall, and the FBI refuses to say whether they're even investigating. Not a single arrest, no real effort shown, certainly no White House uh, bully pulpit talking points supporting the pro-life side. What you have here is a hostility against religion and those of deeply held religious convictions that see abortion as the innocent taking of a human life and the support for, as I say, the culture of death and those that are bent on killing the most innocent among us.
Now that abortion is no longer legal in Tennessee, what's the legal standing of violating the FACE Act, which was yeah. meant to protect people's... That's a great question. Thank you. Remember, when, these, uh, when this rescue occurred, abortion was uh, ongoing in Tennessee. When the arrests were made, uh, abortion has uh, ceased in the state of Tennessee. So you have no real legitimate uh, law enforcement purpose to sort of prevent further acts. Nobody's coming to Tennessee to protest abortion anymore. It's not around. And I think the constitutionality of FACE itself, because it was enacted, if you'll recall, in the Clinton administration, really to protect the so-called right to abortion. Now the court has exposed that there never was a right to abortion. One wonders whether FACE is constitutional, and we intend to attack it aggressively in this case. All right, thank you, Stephen. And now before we finish, Paul, your wife and children, you said, were home when the raid happened. How are they now? They're doing as well as could be expected under the circumstances. You gotta remember, not only did they have the trauma of dad being arrested at gunpoint on the front porch, but the agents refused to tell my wife why I was being arrested, where they were taking me, and where she could find her husband. So there was a you know a, a lot of uh, a lot of mental anguish that could have simply been avoided by a simple phone call, like many of the other folks were. Uh, they, they had a phone call, they met the agents, and turned themselves in. I would happily and gladly have done the same thing. I've been on the farm for 14 years where we live. I have a family. I'm a businessman in the community. There's absolutely no reason uh, for the trauma that we put my children through. So, and my wife, I mean, if you know, mama protecting her babies, that's, uh, that's always a challenging position to be in. For sure. Okay, thank you so much, Paul Vaughn, President of Tennessee Personhood, and Stephen Crampton, Senior Counsel at Thomas More Society. Thanks for speaking with us today. Thanks for having us. Up next, in sports news, NFL star Tom Brady is teaming up with former tennis great Kim Kleisters as part of an ownership group in a fast-growing pickleball league. That and more coming up. Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited New York City today to promote the newly enacted Inflation Reduction Act. NTD's Phil Zoe was on the scene in Queens asking the speaker what exactly the new law would do for New Yorkers and for all Americans. That's what the bill does. Lowering cost of prescription drugs, lowering the cost of health care, investing in our job situation, especially as relates to green technologies and inclusiveness there. Among other things, the Inflation Reduction Act is supposed to cap out-of-pocket prescription drug costs for those on Medicare at $2,000 per year and limit co-payments for insulin to $35 a month. But the law has its critics, including Republicans who voted against it. And the Penn Wharton budget model at the University of Pennsylvania estimated that the act would have close to zero impact on inflation. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Golden State forward Draymond Green will return to the team Thursday, according to head coach Steve Kerr.
Green has been away from the Warriors since punching teammate Jordan Poole last Wednesday at practice. The leave was a mutually agreed upon decision by Green and the Warriors, who also find their four-time All-Star. Video footage of the incident shows Green confronting Poole in their practice facility. Poole then pushes Green, who retaliates with a punch to the head before the altercation is broken up by teammates. Kerr said Green will play in Golden State's final preseason game Friday and will be available for opening night on October 18. And seven-time Super Bowl winner Tom Brady is branching out from football to pickleball, along with former women's number one player Kim Clijsters. The pair is part of an ownership group that's purchased an expansion team in Major League Pickleball for the 2023 season. The league was founded just last year and is planning to expand from 12 to 16 teams while doubling its events from 3 to 6. Total purse money is expected to reach $2 million. Two weeks ago, NBA star LeBron James headlined a new ownership group in the same league. The founder of the league, Stephen Kuhn, says it's the fastest growing sport in the country. And finally, tonight's sports schedule. While the Phillies and Braves are currently in action, the Dodgers and Padres play game two of their best of five series tonight with the first pitch scheduled for 8.30 Eastern. Each team has their ace on the hill with the Dodgers starting three-time Cy Young winner Clayton Kershaw while their division rivals counter with five-time All-Star Hugh Darvish. LA won the opener 5-3 yesterday thanks to a home run and a double from shortstop Trey Turner. That's all for your sports news today. Back to you, Steph. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox.